From Utility Dive Studios in Washington, D.C., it's the Electric Power Station. I'm your host, Gavin Bade, and this week we're speaking to Joe Daniel of the Union of Concerned Scientists about the undercover coal power bailout in wholesale electricity markets. And welcome back to EPS. This week, we're reaching back to an interview we recorded last November with the Senior Energy Analyst at the Union of Concerned Scientists, Joe Daniel. Joe and I spoke at the Nehruk annual meeting in November about what he called the coal bailout that no one is talking about. Namely, that refers to utilities and organized markets using their self-scheduling authority to continue producing power from coal plants even when they're more expensive than the other resources in the market. Since then, Joe has expanded on his original analysis in a blog post highlighting the benefits of seasonal coal plant shutdowns. Both those links are available in the Utility Dive article that accompanies this podcast. But we thought the original conversation contained a lot of valuable information about plant operations and market failures that still applies today. So without further delay, here's our Nehruk interview with Joe Daniel of UCS. Joe, thanks so much for being with me. Thanks for having me. Well, Joe, I wanted to have you on the show because you wrote a really interesting blog post back in late September um, about coal plant dispatch, about which coal plants get to provide electricity in the market, and how that may be a little, uh, it may be a little bit odd the way some coal plants are being dispatched. I think this is extremely important just because like, the woes of coal generation are well known. We just saw the Lazard report that came out last week show that you know, existing renewables can undercut the cost, I'm sorry, new renewables can undercut the cost of existing coal generators. But your blog post I thought was really interesting because you showed that despite the price advantages of other resources, a lot of coal plants in some markets are still dispatching, still generating electricity, even when they may not be the least costly resource. Um, can you just tell the listeners, what, what, did you, what did you look at and what did you find? Yeah, so, I mean, you described it perfectly. At the most basic level, uh, you have vertically integrated monopoly utilities that are operating their coal plants where at times when the, the market price just wouldn't justify it. So the market price uh, is supposed to represent the marginal unit, and it's the the price signal that is sent and drives the engines of these markets, and yet coal-fired power plants who have the, the marginal costs are usually fuel and variable O&M costs, those costs are sometimes higher than those market prices. Now in like one hour of the day or two hours of the day, maybe that makes sense because these are big, heavy, inflexible units. But there are a lot of coal plants, as it turns out, that are operating for months and sometimes years at a time when the market price would never actually justify it. So when I compare these vertically integrated utilities that are operating in what are supposed to be wholesale competitive markets, mm-hmm. when I compare the monopoly utilities to the merchant utilities, which are entirely reliant on the market revenues, the, the, market, the merchant power plants are operating what we would say rationally, like they're, they're really obeying the the theory behind the rules of the energy markets, but vertically integrated utilities aren't. For any new listeners out there, when you say a a merchant utility versus a monopoly-owned utility, can you explain the difference between the two? Yeah, of course. So a merchant utility is, I think, pretty easy to explain. They they operate in the wholesale market and are entirely reliant on that market for revenues. They don't directly serve a customer like you and me through a bill. They don't send anybody a bill at the end of the month. Whereas vertically integrated monopoly utilities do that. They, they're vertically integrated. They own the generation and they also are responsible for serving you and me and, you know, Walmart and Whole Foods. Mm-hmm. Uh, so because that 
their rates are set by regulators that are all here today at the at the Nehru commit you know the commissioners here mm-hmm. they set rates based off of the cost to operate their fleet so if their fleet of resources is above market and the rates are set that way well then the utility can get away with just running the power plants because they get recovery of those fuel costs mm-hmm. um, but merchant utilities don't have that option they have to operate rationally so in your in your analysis for UCS you looked at okay I'm going to look at merchant utilities and I'm going to look at monopoly utilities and study their cold dispatch patterns yeah. what did you find um, well so the sort of first module of the analysis was looking at like expected versus actual values mm-hmm. and it's really start just to see how consistent you know monopoly utilities are operating coal plants at above expected values and you know with very few exceptions merchant utilities are operating their power plants at or below expected value mm-hmm. so then I like actually dug in and did cash flow analyses looking you know how much a power plant was generating the cost to generate the fuel and variable OM and then the market revenues using hourly generation data hourly price data from the markets and was able to reconstruct sort of what the financial situation of these power plants are and I think it's important to note I'm ignoring you know fixed costs in these mm-hmm. analysis so I'm essentially saying that this power plant could shut down for a month or six months still pay its employees cover all of its fixed costs and just not burn coal and actually save money by mm-hmm. doing that uh, which is I think relatively unintuitive until you actually dig into the numbers. So that's what I did was dig into the numbers. So if these resources are more expensive than other ones and they're actually losing, the owners are losing money by having them generate power, why are they generating power? Well, one of the reasons is they're not losing money. They're able mm-hmm. to pass those costs on to customers. Mm-hmm. So we end up footing the bill. Okay? I see. So that's why I called it the coal bailout that nobody's talking about because Every month when some customers are paying their bill, they're unwittingly subsidizing these coal plants Mm -hmm. um, that should just operate less or not at all. Part of it has to do with market rules. Part of it has to do with sort of the traditional way utilities operate. Mm -hmm. You know, for 120-something years, that's how utilities operated. They built power plants to serve their customers. Mm -hmm. Uh, They weren't, you know, SPP is, the day-ahead market is a few years old. Yeah. It's, It's not, it doesn't have a lot of, History, it doesn't have uh, a lot of muscle memory to, to leverage. Mm-hmm. So some of it is inertia. Uh, some of it is our loopholes that you know, utilities can take advantage of. Um, but I, you know, I do think it's worth noting that not every utility is doing this. You know, merchant utilities are capable of operating properly. And some vertically integrated utilities have acknowledged that, oh, it's actually much better for us to allow the market to select which one of our units operate and we can operate much more efficiently if we do that. Mm -hmm. So just to get an idea of how big this problem is and where it is, you mentioned SPP, the Southwest Power Pool. That's a market that has a mix of merchant utilities and vertically integrated utilities. I think you mentioned the Midwest, the Mid-Continent ISO, MISO as well. Um, Are those the only two places? Like basically, where is the problem worst and and how big is it? How many plants are we talking about? Yeah, those two markets are the worst. I I looked at um, PJM, which is sort of this mid-Atlantic market, uh, MISO, SPP, and ERCOT, which is the one in Texas. And in Texas, with the exception of a few municipal utilities, all of the generation is merchant. Mm-hmm. And 
it was the most expected, you know, the, the results were very, you know, lined up very nicely with the expected value. SPP and MISO, on the other hand, uh, they definitely had some of the largest issues. Uh, MISO, which is a little bit bigger than SPP, uh, had about $1.5 billion over three years. But I think it's interesting to note that- $1.3 billion of of costs over expected value? Yeah, $1.5 billion. I'm sorry, $1.5. Over wow. three years. And what's interesting, I think about, I mean, so there's that, that number is, should, be, should garner interest in and of itself. But, you know, in the first year, in 2015, it was nearly $700 million. In the second year, it was about $500 million. And in the third year, it was just, it was under $300 million. So it actually, you could see it was getting less and less each year. Compare that to SPP, which was, you know, only 900 million. So it's still a big number and it's a smaller market, Mm -hmm. but it was much more consistent. Like there wasn't the steady decline. It's been a more pervasive problem. And you don't, I have not seen uh, a lot of improvement in that market as compared to MISO. I see. I see. So how many, like in in the number of plants in each market we're talking, are we like, five plants are doing this? Is it a dozen? Is it 20? Um, well, so the worst actors, it, you know, that is really concentrated on maybe 20 or 30 power plants Okay. Um, in, in all four markets. So it, it is, you know, as, as is often the case, disproportionately burdened by just a few power plants. But there are a lot of power plants. I mean, almost every power plant that I analyzed had at least one month in the three years that I looked at where it would have saved customers money by not operating. Yeah. So it's a it's a very pervasive problem, but the worst actors are definitely, you know, it's a much smaller cohort. I see, I see. So it seems, you, you talk about the, the core of this problem being this concept of self-scheduling, that these monopoly-owned utilities, they, they basically decide when they generate, mm-hmm. and a lot of these market rules in SPP, SPP and MISO have been, uh, crafted to allow them to do that, right? They they wanted to get these people to come into their markets because remember, all of these R- RTO, ISO markets are voluntary. Yeah. So they wanted them to come in and they said, well, as, as long as you'll you know accept the market, you can play in the market, but we'll, we'll let you self-schedule. Um, and you see this in other markets with like carve-outs for municipal utilities and stuff like that, but just not to the same extent. I wonder, can you just touch on what this issue of self-scheduling is and kind of mm. how it came about? Like, why is it a thing? Um, so I don't know the entire history, but it is a, a little bit about preserving the utilities' perceived right to serve their customers with their own resources to self-serve. That you know uh, they built it so they get to use it. But you know, um, I think what's interesting is there one. There's one thing to say we're going to have um, you know self-scheduling, which is about telling the market oh, we're going to operate at a certain level, but then not choosing to turn off when the market prices go down, like that just doesn't make sense. You should, you know, acknowledge the fact that there are going to be long periods of time, particularly in the winter when load is low, when resources are high, you know, you just might not need that coal plant and you can turn off that power plant. There are other resources that are available and the consequence will be a more flexible grid because these, what ends up happening like in, in SPP, is so much of the coal-fired power plants will turn on, and then the market can give them signals to turn up or down, but the market, because they're self-committing, can't turn them to tell to turn off. Mm-hmm. When you have that much of the total portfolio running at minimum level, 
well, there's nothing left to dispatch down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can't, you can't be overgenerating. They'll create outages. So then wind ends up being dispatched down because so, wind in SPP is required to be dispatchable. So we're required. So in SPP, we're literally curtailing wind generation to make room for more expensive carbon emitting coal generation. It certainly does appear that way. Now, like, you know, it's important to know that that's like one factor of it. It's sure. not the entirety of it. But yeah, this practice is, is part of the equation for why you have negative LMPs in SPP. Negative LMPs being... Lo- negative prices, which is what happens when, um, if you want a, a wind developer to, to lower their output, you actually have to drop prices below zero. Mm-hmm. Because they because they still get the production tax credit yes. from the federal yeah. government, which allows them to still earn money. Yeah. They get earn money, and you know if, even if prices go negative. Yeah. Okay, that's that's really interesting. I wonder, from a utility standpoint, if I'm the owner of one of these plants, why do I do this? You know, I mean, it's it seems like it could there could be a risk, like a public relations risk. I'm driving up prices for my customers. Why why would anyone do this? Um. I have not heard a good excuse. I, I really haven't. And some utilities, like like I was saying earlier, I learned about this because a utility voluntarily decided we're not going to do that anymore. It's in our, our interest. It's in our uh, customer's interest to market commit and not self-commit. And I had never heard those two terms before. So when they told us that they were gonna, no longer going to self-commit, I had to go into the SPP market rules and read the tariff sheets and like, what is this? And mm-hmm. that's actually how I found out about this issue is because a utility was voluntarily deciding not to do it. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, hopefully as utilities start to realize that the market dynamics are changing, they'll stop doing this. And some of those municipal utilities in ERCOT that I mentioned earlier, some of them have gone to eight month, you know, uh, a mothball status. So essentially mm-hmm. they stop running for eight months of the year because they know Wind generation plus low load and low gas prices in ERCOT mean the market prices don't justify them operating. They're never going to dispatch until the summer, basically. Yeah. And so they'll come back up on in the summer and they can they can dispatch rationally and economically in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, so now it's just a matter of getting some other utilities to realize that this is a an acceptable way to operate. Well, I, I think I can venture a guess to as maybe why a utility would want to do this, right? Especially if you are, you know, you're a utility who still owns some, you know, coal generation that probably still has some, you know, maybe a decade or more in its productive life. You know, it seems like, oh, if I'm generating more power, it makes this p- power plant look a little bit more necessary, right? We're yeah. using it a lot. Yeah. It seems like, and, you know, it, maybe that takes a little bit of retirement pressure off of that unit, even when, if you look at just all things all things considered equal, it would be, you know, more economic to run gas or more economic even these days, especially in SPP, to add wind energy and shut down that coal generator. It seems like, I don't know, I don't certainly don't have any evidence to this, but I get an inkling of them trying to hold on to their existing assets. And I wonder if that is, you know, makes sense to you. I mean, it, logically, you know, I can understand where you're coming from, that, um, you know, the utilities have a requirement that the, the capital assets that they own are used and useful. And if a power plant is never being operated, it's hard to say that it's, you know, useful. Mm-hmm. The flip side to that is they don't generally make money on the fuel costs. Mm-hmm. So they're not actually, like, making a profit off of the fuel. So if you're 
asset is still needed in the summer months for reliability needs, then you know you can still make that argument. You should go in front of the commission and make that argument. Mm-hmm. Um, but now the the data in the markets is you know, a little bit more transparent because the markets report LMPs at such high granular risk. Like it's a for an analyst like me, it, it's a real gold mine. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a saying about sunshine being a great disinfectant. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason that we are, you know, released the analysis and wrote a blog about it was because we're hoping that more utilities will realize that this is just an unnecessary cost that they're passing along to customers and that they, they need to stop. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I wonder, you know, we've seen a number of over the past few years, and it's only accelerated now, a number of utilities saying, you know, we're going to shut down our coal plants. And a lot of them said we're going to shift to gas. But now more and more are saying we're going to skip that stuff because we step because we probably already have some gas on the system already. I mean, we saw the Northern Indiana Public Service Company, their their um, their uh, integrated uh, resource plan that came out last month. Yeah. You're going to shut down cool, two coal generators, replace it almost all with renewables. Yeah. Excel Energy out in Colorado has been doing this for years, yeah. right? They're shutting down their coal. It's all wind. They call it steel for fuel strategy, right? It would seem that a lot of these plants would be kind of candidates for that same sort of treatment, right? Mm-hmm. Because they exist in these very you know high wind potential and high solar potential places in MISO and SPP. Um, I wonder, you know, it's... It seems like they could be kind of the next up if they weren't dispatching to be knocked off the system. Absolutely. And, you know, I think it's worth noting that they might not need to be replaced with anything. You know, there, there might be local reliability issues. There might be any number. Like, my analysis is not a reliability analysis. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not purporting that it is. But there, you know, SPP has, you know, last time I checked, a 30 or 40% reserve margin. I mean, it's way above what uh, the what NERC says the reference should be, which is like 15 or 17%. Yeah. Um, so a lot of these markets are overbuilt. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, arguably these coal-fired power plants, particularly the most expensive ones, should probably come off the system and, you know, they don't need to be replaced with gas. They don't need to be replaced with anything. They can just come off. We could just have fewer yeah. plants on the system. No, that, 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 there, <laughs> there are limits to that, right? You of course. Yeah. But, um, you know, the ones that, uh, once you get to a point where there's a reliability, there's other things that you can do, like what NIPSCO did, mm-hmm. uh, the, the Northern Indiana utility you mentioned. Um, you know, UCS just did an analysis in Illinois uh, called Soot to Solar, where we analyzed the local reliability needs of a coal plant, the Waukegan coal plant, and found actually you could economically, so you could reduce customers' bills by replacing that coal plant with energy efficiency, uh, solar, uh, storage. So I think it's important to you know recognize that we are at a sort of inflection point where even power plants that looked economic, um, you can actually be even cheaper than they are. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So I, I wonder, you know, we're talking about all of these issues with self-scheduling and all of this. How do you fix it, right? Like it seems like some of these markets, it's not as big of an issue. Like in ERCOT, obviously, they don't have as many monopoly-owned plants, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, is this an issue of banning self-scheduling? Is this an issue of market reform? Like if you if you were king, how would you fix this, uh, the, the bailout that no one's talking about? Um, well, I mean, I, there's – we love simple solutions. So everybody would love the idea of just, oh, well, ban self-scheduling. But, you know – there are reasons to self-schedule. If you install a new environmental control, you have to test it. And so you have to start it up. But those should be limited to, you know, 
acute moments. Mm -hmm. uh, I also think that regulators can step in. But I mean, so let me say, first of all, remind everyone, this is a utility like decision. Mm -hmm. They can choose not to do this. That's the that's, like, the, that's like the most straightforward solution, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, barring that, um, you know, regulators should take a, a close look at this issue and and look to see if if their utilities are doing this. And um, you know, there's uh, a an option that regulators have called a disallowment. It's a it's a pretty severe penalty to utilities, essentially saying you don't get to recover those costs. Mm. And I think this is you know this is arguably an imprudent cost that's being incurred, which is sort of the standard that's used for disallowing imprudent, you know, you get disallowed imprudent costs. So I think it's definitely something that, um, you know, I know I know consumer advocates are very concerned about. I know that environmental advocates, because this has to do with coal, so you know that the environmental community is on this issue. And I, and I hope that um, hope to see more commissioners um, thinking about this and, and addressing it head on. Absolutely. Well, speaking of commissioners and, and regulatory policy here, we are here at NARUC. Um, you know, what's what's your impression of the mood? What if you know what's the scuttlebutt that you've heard, and uh, and uh, how do you how do you take the temperature of the conference this week? Well, you know, I'm I am happy to hear that there are a number of commissioners that are interested in this issue and want to learn more. And they're the first concern is are any of my utilities doing this right? Because right. um, no, you know, commissioners don't want their customers to be charged unnecessarily. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually, the reason I'm here is because NASUCA, the, the consumer advocate mm -hmm. equivalent of NARUC, they invited me to come speak, to talk to their advocates mm -hmm. uh, and their representatives about this issue. Uh, so I think, you know, uh, uh, Commissioner LaFleur earlier said that the, the federal bailout conversation was sucking the air out of the entire room. Uh, it, the Metaphorically speaking, of yes. the utility room. I can attest to that. Yes, <laughs> um, uh, as as anybody who works in this in this sphere can. My hope is that as that issue gets less attention, that we could, we could focus on to you know other issues because there's plenty of them, and uh, uh, this is obviously one that's going to be high on my priority list. Absolutely. Well, hey, I uh, think that. Our audience will certainly be watching it as well, and uh, we'll see if this uh, if utilities stop dispatching their uneconomic plants anytime soon. Yeah, we can only hope. Not holding my breath, though. <laughs> okay. Joe Daniel, Senior Energy Analyst at the Union of Concerned Sci Scientists, thank you for being on the Electric Power Show. Thank you for having me. And that's the Electric Power Station from Utility Dive. Remember that you can keep up with all the latest news on coal plant shutdowns, organized market dynamics, and every other facet of the energy transition by signing up for our daily newsletter. That's at utilitydive.com slash sign up. We'll be back with another episode of EPS in two weeks. Until then, I'm Gavin Bade, and this is the Electric Power Station.